I don't think an interviewer should have a bias, but the interviewer is obviously a human being and we all have our own intentions. So I want to take my guests on a journey because I want to take the listener on a journey. So it's not just why, it's who, what, when, where, uh, why, and how. So those questions are going to get you to go deeper. That was the way journalism was taught 50 years ago. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the podcast interview mastery show. Happy 2021. I hope you had an amazing holiday season with your loved ones and you're ready to rock the microphone even harder and with more passion this year. I'm super excited for you to listen to this year's first episode with my guest, Tom Singer, who shares a lot of great insights on co-hosting and co-interviewing. But before we dive in, I want to let you know that if you haven't started your podcast yet, I would highly recommend you check out my podcast mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, where I'm teaching you step by step how to start your own podcast from scratch so that you can scale your impact, influence, and income in 2021. On top of all that, you can get access to this course with a huge discount in January. For more information, simply go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, and you can find all the details there. All right, so my guest today is Tom Singer, who is an advisor to executives, a speaker, and content creator. After a successful career in sales and marketing, he became a growth leadership speaker in 2009. A decade later, he has brought his high-energy presentations and action-oriented content to over 950 audiences. Tom knows that as the speaker or master of ceremonies, he has a responsibility to set the tone for a strong conference attendee experience. Known as the conference catalyst, he creates an atmosphere of fun and interaction that lasts beyond his presentation. In this role, he does not simply speak and leave, but is engaged with the participants before, during, and after the conference. Tom earned his certified speaking professional in 2014 and is committed to the business of meetings. He is the author of 12 books and is the host of three podcasts. On these shows, he has interviewed over 600 business leaders and others with a focus on discovering how the most successful people get farther across the gap between potential and results. He and his wife make their home in Austin, Texas, and are the parents of two highly spirited daughters. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Tom's podcasting journey and the three shows that he hosts. In the middle and closer to the end, we dive deeper into interviewing and more specifically, Tom talks about his co-hosted shows and not only explains what it takes to become a great interviewer, but he also talks about how they structure and prepare for co-interviews. 
As always, you can check out the free resources, detailed show notes, links, and book recommendations at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, please enjoy 2021's first episode with the one and only Tom Singer. Hi, Tom, and welcome to the podcast interview mastery. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Tibor. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super excited. We had a great conversation yesterday for the other podcast, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And I'm not the only one who have uh, who has more podcasts or shows, let's say so. You host a couple of different podcasts. And I'm kind of like curious about your show. So talk to us a little bit more about the podcasts that you host. And, and why did you start podcasting in the first place? So I started podcasting just over six years ago. Uh, September of 2014 was the launch of a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. That show got rebranded this year and renamed. It's now called Making Waves at Sea Level, as in CEO, CIO, CFO. Uh, so it's a, it's a business show that is interviews with executives about how they make waves and the cool things they do in their business to grow their business, uh, to serve their clients, to serve their employees, et cetera. So I've been doing that now twice a week. I have over 600 episodes and I've been doing it for six years. And then that led me to two other opportunities. I'm actually uh, the host for an association called the Digital Enterprise Society, which is in the uh, digital manufacturing tool space um, and in what's called PLM software, product lifecycle management. And so I co-host that show with uh, a technologist, a, a guy who is an engineer in that area. And so he and I host it together. And then I have a new thing that I started this year called the Webinar Talk Show, which lives on Facebook Live. And it's a video podcast, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's a video interview show. Wow, that's pretty exciting. And uh, really my mission with this podcast is to help other podcasters become better interviewers. And you're also a speaker. We kind of like talked about that on the on the Mindset Horizon podcast and uh, different kind of businesses when it comes to speaking or speaking career. And um, here I want to focus on, you know, how you developed your interviewing skills and maybe before we dive into that, I was also curious about, you know, why did you kind of like, why did you rebrand the show, you know, uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? So why did you decide to do so? Sure. Well, I started Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do six years ago. Podcasting had not become as popular as it is now. I was not an early podcaster, but it was before sort of that hockey stick upward trend that took place in like 2015 and 16. I now say that everyone who breathes air has a podcast. But back then, I was the first of most of my friends in, in the professional speaker world. Um, I was one of the first ones of my peers to have a podcast. And I, I didn't really think it through. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I started it so that I could have access to some really smart entrepreneurs so I could ask them questions about how do you grow your business. So it was sort of my way of getting free mentorship from people. And then the show took off. It was pretty popular in its first year. So I did a second year and a third year. And then it became one of my biggest lead generation tools for my speaking business, even though I didn't speak on entrepreneurship, right? That's not my topic or my area of expertise. Um, but the, the show led to me getting hired by companies to come and address their teams. So uh, I, I didn't want to stop. 
Uh, I changed the name this year because I took a job with an executive search firm. So I'm doing business development for a firm called Stanton Chase. They're one of the leading executive search firms for companies all over the world. And my focus is midsize and large companies and helping them find key hires in the C-suite and vice president and director level. So I wanted to have some continuity to all the things I do between my speaking business, executive search, and my podcast. So I rebranded it uh, Making Waves at Sea Level so I could focus more on that senior executive. I'm I'm always curious about these uh, rebrandings like how did you do it? Did you communicate it to, to your listeners that you're going to rebrand the show? Because I can imagine that you might attract different listeners as well. Did you have that experience? It's a little bit of a different focus, but probably only about 15, 20% of the show shifted from what cool things entrepreneurs did to what we do at Making Waves. So it, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I lost a lot of my audience. However, I, uh, I am gaining new people with a different, a different focus. So, so that sort of worked. But uh, yes, I, I did some research before and I interviewed a bunch of podcasters, a bunch of experts in the industry about should I shut down my old show and restart a brand new show, but I have a thousand to two thousand downloads every single episode as soon as it posts. And so people were like, well, you'll lose that. If you have to start over, you have to build up subscribers. And that's harder to do than it was six years ago. And I kind of got mixed reviews from kind of the podcasting experts about renaming the show, rebranding it, or just starting a new show. It was about half said to do one, half said to do the other. And mm -hmm. I just decided I would rebrand it. If people didn't like it, They, they didn't have to like it. If they did, they could. And the feedback has been mostly all super positive. People really like the new name of the show. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, because I think it's important that you communicate to your audience that this is what you're planning to do. Um, and then they, they know what's, what's coming up, basically, or what they can expect in the future. Yeah, I think for about three weeks leading up to it, which would be about six or seven shows, I announced we were going to be renaming the show. I talked about what the show focus change was going to be. And then for about six weeks after the name change, I, you know, I introduced every episode by saying, you know, hello and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast mm -hmm. formerly known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And then after six or seven weeks, I, I stopped that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I listened, I listened to your uh, shows and uh, to some of your episodes. And uh, yeah, since you're a speaker, I I assume, right? So that's my assumption that uh, as a host, you you could speak, so to speak. So that's obviously one of the skills that we need to acquire as hosts. That we are, you know, uh, we can speak, we can introduce the guests, we can, you know, hold a conversation, and so on and so forth. So I'm kind of like curious about your journey with podcasting in terms of um, becoming a better interviewer and how do you think about this in the beginning and how did you develop your skills and how, how do you evolve as a, as a podcaster? Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a learning curve to doing podcasting like there is to anything. And so like people who want to be professional speakers call me all the time and I tell them you need to give 300 speeches before you're going to be good, right? Before you're going to be really great. You just have to get your, you have to put in your time and get your chops and get super comfortable uh, at being on stage in front of people. Same thing is true for people doing a podcast. If you go back and listen to my first hundred episodes, I don't think they're anywhere as good as the episodes I'm doing now. And part of that was, is I had sort of a set 
list of questions and I stuck to them. Uh, so, you know, one mm. of the big mistakes people make is uh, as an interviewer is they don't push the guests to go deeper. They ask a question, the guest answers, they go on to the next question. What I've learned in, you know, several hundred episodes uh, and seven hundred, yeah. several hundred interviews is I've learned that I have to listen to what the guest is saying and think, what else do I want to know? Because if I want to know something else, the listeners of the podcast want to know more. So when you, when you look at the world of like just television, there have been some great interviewers in the world, right? I mm. mean, Larry King comes to mind. Oprah comes to mind. Now, when we look at the podcast world, you know, Russell Branson's really popular. Uh, Joe Rogan is really popular. And if you look at the way these people interview, they continuously push the guest to go a little deeper and give a little more. So the mistake a lot of people make is they're just too superficial. They say, you know, so uh, Tibor, tell me how you started your podcast. You give an answer and we stop right there. Now, what I would do is you would give an answer and I would say, well, tell me more about that. What what did your friends say when you started or whatever you said? I would pick a part of it where I'm like, well, he didn't give me the whole story. And and you go deeper. Um, you know, we can watch that in uh, every country in the world when there's some sort of an election. Some news people who interview politicians do that. And some just ask questions, you know, at a superficial level. I want the meat. I want someone who's going to push someone to go deeper. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I love that. So um, uh, tell us a little bit more about how you listen, what you are listening to, what you are paying attention to, so to speak. And then how do you ask follow-up questions? How do you go deeper in a conversation? So all of my podcasts are business and career-oriented shows. All three of the interview shows that I'm involved with as a solo interviewer or two, I have a co-host. Um, and so all of them are business focused and I'm a business person. I run a small business. I work for a company. So I try to look for what do I or my coworkers or my team, what do they need to know about this topic? And, you know, again, using, using podcasting as the topic, if I was interviewing somebody about podcasting and I asked them about microphones and they just said, you know, oh, any microphone, you know, that you buy is going to be fine. I would say, great, any microphone's fine. What do you use? And then they would answer. And then I would say, well, why did you end up selecting that microphone? You know, and then you get to the fact that, well, it was just the cheapest one or someone recommended it or whatever. Whereas, you know, the initial answer of anything's fine doesn't really give the listener any meat or anything they can act on. So I just try to listen to what else would I like to know? And as it turns out, that's what the audience wants to know. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the why questions are great because uh, with why questions, you can go a little bit deeper as you are suggesting, I guess. And uh, I was wondering because sometimes a, a, a why question could be, I mean, I try to, for example, use verbal softeners before I ask a why question so that it's not that pushy, so to speak, or sometimes you can feel maybe judgment in a why question. So why did you do that? Right. So it's important how you ask a why question. Like, you know, if I ask you, why did you do that instead of this? It might uh, show that I have some kind of a judgment, you know, towards your decision, I guess. Well, yes. And I think that we want interviewers to push people. We want interviewers to go. Now, I don't think an interviewer should have a bias, but mm -hmm. the interviewer is obviously a human being and we all have our own intentions. So I want to take my guests on a journey because I want to take the listener 
on a journey. So it's not just why, it's who, what, when, where, uh, why, and how. So mm. those questions are going to get you to go deeper. That was the way journalism was taught, you know, 50 years ago. Who, what, why, when, where, you know, how. And if you can get those questions answered, then people in the audience are going to be like, oh, but if it's all just superficial fluff, which by the way, a lot of podcasts are superficial fluff, then mm. nobody, walks, <laughs> nobody walks away with anything. Now, maybe somebody will listen to my show and say, well, I don't know. I think your show, you know, you're, you're no Larry King or you're no Oprah Winfrey. And, and that's true. But I do get a lot of feedback from both guests on my show and people who listen who say, wow, where do you come up? You, you ask really good questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you do that, right? I mean, I'm curious about your evolution. Like, you know, you said in the beginning, first 100 episodes, that was completely different. You have conducted over 600 interviews. And um, what are some of the things that you consciously focused on to become a better interviewer? Well, so one of the things I did is I paid attention to what other people did and how they did it. So I listened to a lot of podcasts and I started mm -hmm. realizing, you know, years ago uh, when John Lee Dumas's podcast, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire was the first kind of business entrepreneur podcast to go super viral, you know, million, yeah. million downloads a minute or whatever it was. He started teaching people the formula to do a podcast. And you could tell when you would listen to a podcast, to a business podcast, who had taken his, I think it was called Podcaster Paradise, who had taken his course because they all did their shows the same way. And one of the things John did was he did at the end, the lightning round, and he had like five questions. And yeah. anybody who took his course would have the lightning round or they, maybe they were being creative and they called it the buzzy round or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, all of these podcasts started to seem very much the same. My own as well. I didn't take any courses, but- mm -hmm. I was an observer. So, you know, you copy what you see working. And what I discovered was as I watched the people who I enjoyed their shows, they broke from the formulas. And so it's kind of along the lines that uh, Picasso is a perfect example. And that is when Picasso was a young artist, he could paint a seascape that looked like a photograph. He could paint a portrait of a person that looked like someone took it with a camera. He was that good. And that celebrated of a classical artist. And then he threw out the rules and started painting three eyes, five arms, nine chins, and became the Picasso that we've all heard of. But he didn't just show up one day doing scribbles. He knew the rules of art and he knew the formula of how to paint. And then he did his own thing. Those are the best podcasts of the people who do that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And to be honest with you, I listened to a podcast today because I was preparing for another interview. So I listened to that conversation and that guy had the same, uh, you know, welcome XYZ nation. Um, it wasn't even or, or fire, fire something. So I was like, yeah, that guy took He didn't course. even try to disguise that he was copying John Lee Dumas. <laughs> Yeah, but that's true. And I couldn't agree more because we try to copy other people and, and we try to figure out what are what the rules are, so to speak, when it comes to coming up with an interview flow and asking questions. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast to see how others do it and how they 
develop their skills in terms of you know interviewing so so for the the video show that I do it's called the webinar talk show we started it as soon as covid hit and i have a co-host and 6 years ago she and i started hosting hybrid events and those are live conferences that we're broadcasting uh, to an at-home audience, like a virtual audience. And we thought that was going to take off six years ago. We thought everybody was going to have their live audience and they were going to have this. So we invented a product where we would be the hosts of the virtual side of the event. And during coffee breaks and meals, we would interview the speakers, the executives from the company or the association, people who were attending, who were in the hallways, and give the at-home audience kind of a cool experience through interviews. And when we did this, people loved it, but most companies didn't want to pay for it because they didn't value that at-home audience. Well, we called it the, the conference talk show. And as soon as COVID hit, we rebirthed that product and we call it the webinar talk show. And people can find it at webinartalkshow.com or on Facebook is where all the episodes live. And what we did is we started an interview format video show because we believed in this world of webinars and poof, in the last seven months, you know, how many webinars can you sit on in a day? Uh, the answer is seven. That's the most I've ever done. Uh, a lot of it's just talking head over PowerPoint. And so Eliz Green and I developed this interview format where we take an expert and instead of letting them just go through their slides, we ask them up front, what are the two points you want to make? And then we take them through an interview to make sure that they get to share their knowledge and their information. But at the same time, it's it's more interesting than watching an expert go through a slide deck. So uh, again, that's a learned skill to be able to interview people. Yeah, and I'm super excited to dive into this um, topic, uh, co-hosting and, and maybe co-interviewing. So one of your podcasts that I listen to is the Digital Enterprise Society podcast. And I was paying attention how you how you guys host the show. So I kind of like realized that in the beginning there, you talk a little bit more, you introduce the other co-hosts. So I'm interested in this, exploring how you guys do this, how you structure the interview and 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 the whole show basically, because I have never had someone on who had a co-hosted show. So this show was put together by a, an association for people who work in and around what's called product lifecycle management software tools. And uh, the organization grew out of a former organization that had existed. And part of the change for the organization when they became the Digital Enterprise Society is they were an, they're an education arm for people who have careers in this field. And one of the ways they wanted to get messages out was through a podcast. And I had worked with them for years at their big giant conference under their old format when they used to host big live events. And so they knew I had a podcast because they'd known me. Uh, they also knew that I was a good MC and I had hosted uh, like live onstage panels where I would interview speakers or other executives. So they knew I had the skills to interview, but I'm not an expert in that technology at all. And so they paired me with a volunteer, uh, a gentleman who uh, was formerly on the board of the, the former organization. But he had no experience as a podcaster, nor did he want to produce and record the shows. And so we came up with, with a format 
where this guy and I, he, he and I are friends. He's a little older than I am. We have a pretty good rapport. And so I launch the show. I read any housekeeping. If we have a sponsor for that episode, I do all that. Uh, then I welcome Craig and, and he and I banter sometimes. He lives in Michigan. I live in Texas. So we banter about football and we banter about um, yeah. the weather because when the weather is great in Michigan, it's no good in Texas. And when the weather is great in Texas, it's no good in Michigan. What is up, my friend? I hope you're enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon. But first, I want to tell you a story. So you might already know that I've been hosting my other show, The Mindset Horizon Podcast, for more than a year now. And while doing so, I was experimenting with producing and releasing more content in order to grow my audience. You see, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on growing your download numbers. There was a time where I released daily content on the Mindset Horizon podcast, but I needed to pay a lot more for hosting services just because of doing so. On top of all that, I was thinking about starting my second podcast, the one you are listening to right now, the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. This is how I decided to look for other hosting solutions that support podcast growth. I was more than glad when I found Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, with Captivate, you don't have to worry about paying more if you want to release more content or if you want to create more podcasts because they charge monthly fees based on download numbers. Captivate is the only podcast host that supports your creativity with unlimited podcasts for one inclusive price. That is why it was a no-brainer for me to leave my previous hosting provider and choose Captivate. So if you are thinking about producing more content for your existing show, or you want to start more podcasts, I would highly recommend checking out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. Again, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on your download numbers, but can you do it without paying more for hosting services? With Captivate, you absolutely can. Check out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate and start growing your show exponentially. All right, my friends, so without any further ado, let's get back to today's interview mastery episode. So he and I make jokes about, you know, that and, and our friendship. I, I drive a Ford Mustang and he used to work for General Motors. So he always teases me that why don't I drive a Camaro? Uh, so we have, a, we have a, a friendship and we just banter a little bit at the front. Then we introduce the guest. I ask the guest, uh, I, do the, I do the introduction. I ask the guest kind of their, their career history and trajectory. Then Craig does the technical questions, but it depends on who the guest is. I'm right there listening. If they're talking about things that are more career oriented, I'll jump in in the middle of the interview. If it's all technology, I stay out of it because that's not my forte. And then I close every episode with a career oriented question because that is my forte. I, I do consulting to people for career issues. That's what my podcast is about. That's what my speaking is about is how do you, how do you grow your career? And so I will ask questions on advice for up and comers in their industry that they can do. And then uh, we say goodbye. So we, we have a formula, but every show is different because it's very focused on the technology of the person we're interviewing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I kind of like, um, one of my ways to prepare for these interviews when it comes to interviewing people about uh, interviews and podcasting is to kind of like analyze the structure. And so I realized that you, you guys have that um, small talk in the beginning, 
it's kind of like a casual, you know, about the weather. Uh, this is something that you've mentioned. And I was thinking if that's, that's uh, not really prepared, right? So that's kind of like a small talk, a casual small talk in between you. And then you introduce the guest. And what I realized is Craig was asking the questions throughout the conversation. But now I know the reason why, or it depends on the guest and uh, uh, if it's technical or not. Every episode has to take on its own life. We don't have a specific formula. We have mm. an arc of where we're going to go. I'm going to start it off. We're going to talk a little. He's going to ask technical questions. I'm going to ask them for career advice, you know, but uh, the actual meat of the questions we ask, I don't know what career questions I'm going to ask until Craig has done the interview. So we recently interviewed somebody who their focus is they're working for a company that is designing a fully electric airplane. So no gasoline, no no diesel engine, uh, fully electric battery operated airplanes. And uh, he used to work for big bureaucratic companies. And now he's working for this pretty cool startup that's trying to do something that's never been done before. And mm. so the question I asked him was, how do you go from working from like a big bureaucratic company to sort of this scrappy startup. What? How did you get picked? Because that's career advice for someone in the audience. I didn't know I was going to ask that until I had heard him talking about his career. So my my career advice questions come out of Craig's interview. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And uh, so do you guys prepare? Because one of the questions I really like to ask is how someone prepares for an interview. And I'm kind of like curious when it comes to I don't know if I can say it a co-interview or uh, I would say co-hosted show. Is it a co-interview? Because actually I have two mentees uh, and they are trying to, or they are planning to rather uh, start a podcast uh, where they co-interview people and co-host a show. And I have never done such things before. So I'm curious how you guys prepare for a um, for a conversation. And even you, you had an episode where you had two guests on at the same time, like four people then, right? Yeah. And you, when you have two hosts and then two or three guests, you actually have to be careful that you don't step on each other. So let me flip yeah. over to the webinar talk show that Eliz Green and I host. So she and I began live interviewing people. So we would sit next to each other. We'd have people sit in the third chair. And when you're doing that, you can read each other's body language. You can kind of look each other in the eye out of the corner of your eye. It was very easy when we used to do the conference talk show to be able to feel uh, feel what the other person, where they're going. There was just that vibe that you got sitting next to somebody. When we relaunched it this year during COVID, she lives in Wisconsin. I live in Texas. And so we relaunched it using Zoom to interview people. We had to relearn how do you know where the other person goes? And we don't script out. That show is not scripted. We, mm. we literally ask the guest, what would you like to cover? What are the points you'd like to make? And then we have a theme for each season we do for the show. So for fourth quarter, the themeology of the interviews is don't cancel your event. So we're interviewing a lot of meeting planners and companies who host large uh, client or, and uh, employee events, and we're learning what they're doing of how to pivot into this digital world. So we know that part of the theme is don't cancel your event. So we know we want fresh ideas on how to go virtual, how to go hybrid. And so, but she and I are in sync as co-hosts. We know what the goal of our show is and we watch for cues verbally um, and how we lean in. Like if I have a burning question, 
I'll lean in just a little. And we have video on as we do it because that's a video podcast. So she knows if I lean in or I know if she leans in that she's going to ask the next question. And in 60 shows, we've only stepped on each other five or six times. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's something. Um, so it's required to be in sync, right? So you have to kind of like know. So I'm just wondering how how does someone how does someone know? So you well, don't really yeah. <laughs> for Eliz and I, we were friends before we started doing this. And over the last several years, we've become super close friends. Like our 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 husband my, my wife and her husband are friends. We've traveled together uh, on vacation. So she likes to say we think with the same brain when it comes to doing business interviews. You know, neither of us are going to be a gotcha person. Uh, we're both fairly nice, but we want to get to that that meat of a nugget of information that the audience can take away. So we think alike in how we're doing it. So Craig and I, for the Digital Enterprise Society podcast, we knew each other and we were friendly, but we, you know, we weren't as good of friends. So Craig and I have had to learn over the course of the thing, you know, how to understand, how to read uh, signals. Like if it's going long, it's it's only audio. So on the video, I can like roll my fingers, like wrap it up there, buddy. Um, and he knows to watch for those cues. But over time, we've learned each other's, you know, over a year and a half, we've learned each other's personalities. I know exactly when I can jump in uh, and be part of that conversation if it's more career oriented and things like that. So part of it, if you're working with a co-host is, you either have to start off as good friends or you have to be willing to develop that that good friendship. I use the example for the webinar talk show that Eliz and I are like Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest on Live with Kelly and Ryan, which is a morning television show in the United States uh, that's hosted by two celebrities. But they 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 get each other. They banter with each other. They make each other look good. And that's kind of how Eliz and I position what we do on that show is is we bring to the business world what Kelly and Ryan bring to the morning talk show world. That's pretty interesting, you know, and uh, what I was wondering about is if it's becoming rather a conversation than an interview, for example, when you have a co-host and a guest or how do you approach this? Because what I've heard you ask very, you don't really share too much. Sometimes you do, but uh, the questions are succinct and short and you basically ask a question and then the conversation moves forward. So how do you do this? I have found that the difference between the two shows that I co-host and the one I do alone, when it's just me, I add a lot of stories. But since we have three people, I don't want to ever make it sound like I'm the more important host. So I might add a story, but I don't do it a lot in the co-hosted shows because that's not the Tom show. But if you go over to Making Waves at Sea Level, that's my show. I can jump in and talk with the guest however I want. But all three shows, I prep every single guest who comes on any one of those three shows. And I say, look, the idea is it's like two or three or four, if we have more people on, uh, people sitting in a bar, having a glass of wine, talking about this topic. And so I, I want my shows to be conversational. I don't want them to be scripted because conversations don't have scripts. If, if, if I was able to, to come to Hungary, which someday I would love to visit Hungary, it's on my list of, of places I would love to go. Ooh, you're and, welcome. And, well, I'd love to come. And, and if you and I met for dinner, you wouldn't come with a script. I wouldn't come with a script. We would just sit in your favorite restaurant, open a bottle of wine and we'd talk and ask questions and tell stories. That's what I want all three of the podcasts to be. But again, when you have a co-host, you have to be careful 
you know, I'm a talker, so I'm I'm conscious of not stealing the show from my co-host or the guest. Wow, yeah, that's really interesting. And you've mentioned something, uh, you know, you know the goal of the show with your with your co-hosts, and I think that's really important that either co-hosted or or just uh, you as the host, you know the goal of the what you want to get out of the conversation. And I'm just wondering if you either alone or with a co-host, do you come up with different questions? Or the questions are coming in the moment? So I have a list of questions, but I don't ask them all of everybody. So I have Mm -hmm. a cheat sheet, if you will, so that I have sort of that story arc of where we're going to go. And then I listen to what they say. Half of my questions are going to come on the spot. So I'm listening to what the guest is saying and then posing a follow-on question or taking us down down an area. But I also ask the guests, what points do you want to get across? Because if I know that the guest has three points, three nuggets of information that they want to share, if they don't do it on their own, I know that I can then ask a question. Like if, if you specifically for podcasting want to talk about, you know, uh, if I'm interviewing you and you said, oh, you know, a great podcaster has their podcaster voice and you don't mention that in another question, I can say, you know, I was wondering when you're podcasting, do you turn on a podcaster voice or do you just use, you know, if I know something you want to share that you think is important, I can then make it a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know because, um, you know, some people, when it comes to podcasting, when it comes to starting a podcast, people have this belief that they need to have a radio voice or something. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've... I am told I have a quote unquote radio voice by people, but this is just who I am. This is just for the most part, the way I the way I talk. Um, so I guess if, if we have dinner together, you're going to get a radio voice at the dinner table. But because I could put on the radio voice and talk like this the entire time. But but here's the thing. I think if you're doing a podcast, you just have to be yourself. And again, we now live in this much more virtual world than we lived in six months, seven months ago. But go back and look at television, right? We, we don't turn on television at eight o'clock at night to watch a lecture. We turn on television and we want to watch something engaging and intriguing. And an interview is really a com talk shows are common all over the world. So we, I look at talk shows for my inspiration of how to do my podcasting. And you can see some people on talk shows do a great job. And many of the talk shows, not all of them have multiple hosts. Uh, You know, I can only speak to the United States, but there's the view, you know, there's five hosts on that show. But they know in advance who's going to lead which interviews. You'll notice if a certain guest comes on, certain type of guest, a certain host will lead that interview. It doesn't mean other people won't chime in, but it's decided up front who is going to lead the interview. And that's if you have a co-host, that's another thing. Uh, Eliz and I do it every show is I'm going to follow your lead on this one if she knows the person. Or she'll flip that to me if I know the person. Uh, and we just let one or the other kind of be the person who drives that interview. But we try to make it 50-50 in the amount of time we talk. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Because when it came to co-hosting the show, for example, with my mentees, I was like, maybe there should be someone who leads the whole thing. And then the other should follow their lead or his lead. Another thing I was thinking about was maybe it can be, you know, you ask one question and the other host one question and it's kind of like more, you know, 50-50. 
And I think that's that's a great point and takeaway for someone who is co-hosting a show. It's a great idea for shoot for 50-50, but you can't keep score. There are episodes where I have dominated the talk and there's episodes where Eliz has. So a lot of it has to do with what's your area of expertise? How well do you know the guest? Because we interview some people who we know on the show. Uh, there's, there's, You just have to be flexible. If you're trying to keep score, everybody's always going to lose. So you, you need to look for ways to, to be respectful of your co-host and of your guests. Um, but it, it comes with experience. Like I said, 600 episodes of my podcast, I am much more free to jump on and just talk to somebody than I ever could have been six years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, put in the reps, that's definitely something that helps. And, um, you know, I was wondering about the technical side of, of this whole thing, because I can imagine that. Um, it can be confusing to a lot of people, especially if there are, if there are um, more than two people, for example, on the show. Like, what do you use, for example? You, I think you've mentioned Zoom, right, uh, for video interviews. What are some of the platforms that you use for conducting interviews? So when I started my podcast six years ago, I used Skype. And about five years ago, I moved to Zoom. And I've used Zoom ever since as my platform that I connect with. Uh, I record on Zoom. I have a Zoom Enterprise account, so I have unlimited storage. I store, I record as a backup to the cloud on Zoom. But then I use an exterior mm. recorder because when I started my podcast six years ago, I had an older computer. I think it was two computers ago. And it didn't have the processing power for video and everything else and recording. So yeah. I stream the recording outside of it. I have a mixer board that goes to a uh, H4N recorder and the, it all oh. dips back into the thing. Now, I'm recording both tracks on a single recording, which has to do partially with the fact that I haven't mastered the technology that I have. I could record them separately, but I don't. But I use the mixer board to make sure that our levels are the same before I start recording. So I don't I don't have to do two separate tracks. So I'm able to do a single track and... Um, and just record it, you know, that way I could be more technical, technical and do this even fancier, but I haven't had to, because what I do works pretty well for, for what I'm doing. And then I use an editor. I don't do the technical work myself. I use a company called podfly.net and, uh, mm, yeah. and, and podfly has been from episode number one of my show and the digital enterprise society show. They, they produce, they do the, the technology side for both of them. Uh, they've been great to work with. Wow, that's pretty awesome and also very useful to those who are wondering about the technical side of doing the interview uh, interviews because, yeah, it's always a question. There are many different ways to set up your um, technical stuff to conduct interviews. So uh, right now we are using Zencaster.com. I also have a Roadcaster Pro so I can record um, using Zoom and just using the Roadcaster to record locally. Um, yeah, Tom, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing all these great information connected to, you know, interviewing and co-hosting. And, um, I usually ask my guests about either book recommendations or you've mentioned a couple of, uh, hosts that we can listen to, to become better interviewers. Do you have anything in mind in terms of books to, that can help people become either better communicators or interviewers? So, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is, is find a couple of podcasts that you like and just mm -hmm. listen to them, but don't listen to them just for, oh, they're interviewing Mary 
and listening to what Mary has to say. If you really like the podcast and you really like the host, treat it like you're going to Podcaster University. Every time you listen, yes, there is content that you're getting on the topic that's being interviewed, but also watch the way the guest asks questions. Listen to the the tone they use. Do they let a guest talk or do they cut them off? Because uh, there's a reason for both. Uh, do they? Is their show highly produced or is it just a flow of conversation? Are they following the same questions with no variation every single week? Or is every show a little bit different or drastically different because they just sit down and have a conversation? So I think the best way to learn is to dissect the podcasters who you like and then copy the things that work for you. I mean, obviously don't copy directly because then you end up with that whole idea of it's time for the lightning round, but copy the way the themology of the way they have their conversation, but it's got to match your your personality. There's a lot of hosts out there who I admire, but I can't be them. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have the background. I don't have the, the smarts. I don't have their great accent, whatever it is. I can't be that host. I can only be me, but I got to be yeah. the best me that I can. And so I, I, the other thing I do, I go back and listen, not to every episode, but I go back and watch the video, um, and listen to the recordings of a lot of the interviews that I do for all three shows and look for ways that I can change it up and just make it a little more fun. Are you satisfied with the, with the shows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've, they've all served the purpose of why they were invented, right? My main show brings me business. It brought me, my main show brought me the show that I host as a paid host. Uh, yeah. And then the, the webinar talk show has exposed me to people in the meetings industry as we've gone through this entire change from live to virtual and eventually back to live. Uh, and it's actually brought me some ability to be the master of ceremonies for some conferences. Some people have heard what I do as a host and they're like, Hey, could you host my conference? Well, yes, I can. So wow. yeah, I'm pleased with all the shows. Would I like them all to be giant money makers and, you know, be living on a top of a mountain somewhere? Probably, but that wasn't the purpose of my shows. Yeah, that's that's really inspiring. And uh, I was just thinking about John Lee Dumas. He 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 had an impact in some <laughs> shape or form. I would say because <laughs> awesome, right? Without him, you wouldn't have had the huge hockey stick of podcasts that are out there. <laughs> but you also you also wouldn't have the graveyard of podcasts that have faded away because a lot of people jumped in thinking they would make as much money as John Lee Dumas did. And so they started a podcast because they thought, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars an hour. And mm -hmm. when it didn't happen after six episodes, they walked away from it. Well, John Lee Dumas was a pioneer. He did a seven day a week show at a time when nobody was doing that. And yeah. before celebrities had business shows, before every NPR show had a podcast, he was in there early and part of it was by doing seven shows a week, he ended up getting a lot of content. I talked to people who are like, I want to do one show a month. And I say, great. Uh, you're not going to be great till you've done 300 shows. That's going to take 30 years. Uh, John said something like uh, 400 episodes was when he felt confident and such. <laughs> well, it goes back to what I said about being a, a public speaker. I think you have to give 300 professional level speeches before you're going to be comfortable and good. And so with podcasting, it was the same way. It was probably around episode 300 where I stopped worrying about what people thought because I knew, I knew I was putting out an okay product and I just started having fun with it. Yeah, that's huge. That's a great point, actually, because I was so concerned about my English when I started the podcast. 
And I was like, you know, after now over 130 interviews or so, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to roll with it. Your English you know, is and, great. Your English is fantastic. Yeah, it was one and a half years ago. And uh, when I was thinking about starting a podcast, you know, and uh, even even two years ago, I would say. So uh, I was dreaming about that and I kept, uh, I postponed the project, so to speak, and then I started. Question for but you. It's, has your yeah. English gotten better because you've done 135 shows in English? Much better. <laughs> so there's another reason to start a podcast. If English <laughs> is not your first language and you're willing to do one or two shows a week, guess what's going to happen in two years? Yeah, much better. And uh, that was, I, I shared it uh, on, on this podcast actually, because uh, uh, one of my very personal reasons was I wanted to start a podcast so that I could, as you just did with entrepreneurs, I wanted to talk to native speakers and mainly Americans because I was, uh, I liked the American accent uh, or uh, yeah, accent more than, you know, the English or British or Australian. Most so people I, like the Australians. I, I feel, I feel proud that somebody likes the American accent. <laughs> And I, and I live in Texas, so we can we can turn on a little bit of that Texas twang too. <laughs> yeah, although, I had a good although I grew up in Southern California, man. So like I could say, dude, like podcast. Talk. <laughs> dude. Yeah, that's what uh, Tom Bilyeu, host of Impact Theory, uh, says all the time, dude. Maybe it's a California thing. Oh, dude, total Southern California, like surfer type language. I grew up. I grew up about an hour from the beach in Los Angeles, dude. And it was not okay, dude. So, um, yeah, it's been a great conversation. Um, before I ask my last question, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about you? Go listen to all my podcasts. Uh, you can find me at tomsinger.com, T H O M S I N G E R.com. Uh, and my main podcast is there. You can find the Digital Enterprise Society podcast at the Digital Enterprise Society.org and uh, on Facebook. There's the webinar talk show. So there's lots of ways to find me. Yeah, awesome. And all these links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And my last question is, how do you see yourself podcasting in the future and what's what's up for you next? So I don't think I will stop. I'm using my skills as an interviewer. The fact that between everything I've ever done, including some live on stage panel moderation and interviews, I've done over a thousand corporate level interviews with executive types. I think that sets me apart from a lot of people. And so I intend to host more podcasts for organizations as they're paid podcast hosts. So I'm trying to learn you know, how to be able to tweak what I do and, and make it a marketable piece. Uh, I do it for one group right now. Uh, I would like to host three shows uh, for organizations. So yeah, I'd like to do more of that. And then uh, my own show, Making Waves at Sea Level, I would like to, to take that show to the next level and just grow the, grow the audience on it because I think it's a good product. So I, I plan to, to keep going on this. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to stop. Wow, that's pretty exciting. And uh, you're a huge inspiration to me and hopefully to the listeners as well. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Tibor. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the Podcast Interview Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview Nation. If you want to check out the detailed show notes, book recommendations, 
interview tips and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.